Hey, everyone. As you know, this is Marilee at Super Soul Solutions, and I will be continuing today with part two on animal communication, or what I like to call animal whispering. I hope each one of you already listened to part one and practiced a bit communicating with your pet or an animal if you don't have a pet. Now, remember, don't get intimidated by this. Everyone can do this. And as I mentioned in part one, some people maintain their birthright abilities and kept their telepathy ability online. But for many of us, it was socially deconditioned out of us and lies unused in the background. So now is the time on the planet for these abilities to once again come forward. And I'm sure many of you do some kind of meditation or mindfulness practice or tuning inward, some kind of practice tuning inward, right? Well, think of animal communication as practicing tuning outward towards nature or your pet to see what you receive or what you sense or what you feel. And for a few of you, thoughts will pop into your head and you may hear thoughts. We all visually pay attention to, of course, to you know what our animal's body language is conveying. That's an important point as well. And for you empaths out there, which I know there are a lot, this can be fairly easy since you are very good at picking up impressions and feelings from other people and probably, in fact, sometimes get overwhelmed by all that input. And an example of where we all do this, we all pick up information would be like, say, at a social situation at a party when you don't know many people. I know I get awkward when there's a lot of people at a party that I don't know. And so what I do is consciously scan to pick up perceptions from people at the party that might be interesting or more inviting to talk with. And I'm sure you all do this. So that's an example of you using those abilities, even though you may not think so. You are receiving data coming from off of other people in the party situation. So with practiced animal communicators, some animals can actually, believe it or not, even invite you into their minds and show you their feelings and actual scenes of what happened to them that upset them or made them happy. Some animals will even show you, say, scenes from their previous life because just like with people, many of the things that are triggering people right now, okay, are often traumas we went through in our most recent past life, if you will. Yet, you may not be consciously aware of that. So you can certainly start animal communicating using your imagination first. I did for sure. So you can imagine soaring like a bird or swimming and jumping like a dolphin or basking in the sun like a lizard, soaking up the heat. And you can just see what are the feelings and thoughts you are sensing. Contentment, joy, freedom. Just start with something like that. The major thing is to be explorative and sincere and I like to enter animal communication with relaxed, childlike wonder. Remember that telepathy is a natural form of mental and emotional communication and can more accurately be called telepathy because being in a state of love 
and harmonizing with another is what allows it to occur. So it is a natural state of being that we all need to kind of uh, reignite. I did mention briefly in part one the importance of resonance in everything we are and how we communicate. And for those of you that have done a little studying on ongoing quantum physics, their findings validate what many of us have known or felt spiritually for a long time. And that is the connecting consciousness field is everywhere and every when. It connects everything as one. This networking web of communication enables us to communicate telepathically from one soul to another instantaneously. And yes, animals have soul. And yes, animals know their life purpose. In fact, they know yours also. How cool is that? So we all do this with or without having a human or animal body, both in body and out of body. It is natural to speak soul to soul. So this is how an animal communicator that say you have contacted for help with your pet who lives thousands of miles away can communicate with your pet sitting next to you on your couch. The communicator just has to dial in to your pet's specific frequency, which is always unique, a signature resonance, if you will, just like you all have to tune into this specific radio station to be able to hear this show now. It's also why mothers and sometimes fathers, of course, know or sense when their child is in trouble. Same principle having to do with the quantum field of collective consciousness. So our collective consciousness determines our reality, in fact. So one um, beautiful example of one consciousness made up of multiple individuals is if you ever watched a flock of starlings fly, and it's called Murmur, M-U-R-M-U-R and synchronistic perfection with each other without ever crashing into one another. That is like all these individuals working connected up. So also you've seen it with a huge school of fish where they all turn around at the exact same second. So the other interesting thing that I just found out, actually, as I was going over experiments in quantum science, the recent ones, they discovered that no two people ever see reality exactly the same which can be a source of frustration, but that's also the point, maximum diversity. So knowing this requires two things to focus on when engaging with people and especially with animals. And that approach is collaboration and respectful partnership. This is, of course, an important theme to focus on at this time on the planet with one another as well. So uh, I know you may be dismayed to find out that animals look at humans and go, oh my, I'm so worried about my person. Because they feel we are so preoccupied with insecurities and not so much connected to them, to ourselves or grounded with the planet unless we purposely practice that or remind ourselves. Animals indeed serve as a mirror for us, just like people in your life do. And did you know that animals resonate so strongly in connection with Gaia, Mother Earth, that they can smell and see illness inside your body? Uh, One of the um, facilities that I've been to, Pine Street Clinic, an acupuncture place where I live, they utilize apricot poodles to smell the breath of clients, and they can determine and predict lung cancer and other kinds of cancer. So that's like a really fascinating example. 
When you ask American Indians or other indigenous cultures that remain connected to earth and um, you ask them, how did you learn what this herb or plant was useful for? They look at you quizzically and respond, it spoke to me and told me. And so do my four-legged brothers and sisters. So this is what we are getting back to, (laughs) hopefully, while moving forward. A beautiful early book, way back in 1919, before even Dr. Doolittle Books came out with a book by Dr. William Joseph Long titled How Animals Talk. And he is highly intelligent, a backwoodsman and a keen observer. And he had like an encyclopedic knowledge about English and American literature. And he wrote, quote, at the bottom of it, I suppose, is the fact that in every wild or natural creature is something at once mysterious and familiar, which appeals powerfully to your interest or sympathy, as if you saw a faint shadow of your other self or caught a fleeting memory of that vanished time when you lived in a child's world of wonder and delight. Dr. Long was known for all kinds of wild animals. We're talking predators, okay, walking within three feet of him. And he said, if you want to communicate effectively, be still and quiet yourself. Think like an animal when you talk with them, logically. Keep senses are strongest in them and appeal to those senses. For instance, he said, dogs have a smellscape more than a landscape which is true what I, you know, for anyone who has a dog, they know that. Long continues, animals like people do not like being stared at, but they have a lively interest in every new thing they meet. If you are still impatient, their curiosity often overrides any fear, especially in the younger of their species that hasn't had the experience of the stupidity of humankind that becomes disconnected from its animal brothers and sisters. Being physically still and, more important, mentally still with quiet breathing is the way that wild animals, if you don't have a pet of your own and you're going to be communicating with wild animals, will feel the most comfortable with you. This space, this feel together with no condition on it, sets up a resonance between you and the animal, which allows relaxing perceptions to arise without having your fears or prejudices or judgments or thoughts get in the way. So it's like practicing spaciousness or stillness as a spiritual practice. An African tribe on the border of Zambia called the sensory powers of animals chumfo. We have that as well, of course, but it is easier to doubt and deny it in yourself than it is in your pets you may have and observe. Long believes the natural man and woman who lives close to nature is wholly alive and awake and that every cell has the faculty of perception, which has been proven to be true. He states that wild creatures are not normally governed by fear, terror, as today's anxious humans are. Fear is an exclusive human affliction, which the animal escapes by being natural, end quote. So please remember, everyone, as you're playing and experimenting with telepathy with your animal friends, that it is a natural state of being, okay? 
Some of you may have heard Rupert Sheldrake, a wonderful Royal Society scholar and botanist, who coined the term many years ago, morphogenic resonant field, that explains the interconnectedness of us all. And he wrote one of his books uh, was, I think, uh, called Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home and Other Unexplained Powers of Animals. So the research on this is so profound that most dogs, once they attach, in other words, tune into their owners, because all animals read thoughts and pictures and feelings of the people around them, they will get up to wait at the front door or wait at the end of the driveway at, get this, the exact moment that their owner leaves their office far away and thinks of coming home. They get up and respond. That's an example of their telepathy. And by the way, just so you know, you can look this up. Mason Harimine, who's one of my favorite scientists, is finishing up the scientific equation proving that we live in a unified field theory, uh, despite um, average school not catching up to that fact yet. Also, you know that I did two previous shows on fairies and fae. And so animals are like the nature spirits I discussed in those shows because they are Gaia, or another name for Mother Earth's children, as are the animals. So fairies act as guardians to the animals, and animals act as guardians and teachers for humans. And they really are expressing that both, the fairies, the fae, and the animals, want to share what they know with humans. Many are very, very wise. And of course, in the ancient days, fairies, animals, and plants all communicated easily with humans. My sister gave me a New York Times bestseller a while back, uh, knowing I'm interested in doing a shows on this, Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are? And if you're interested, it's packed with scientific discoveries over uh, these last hundred years, uh, moving way away from calling animals dumb or beasts of burden. Thank God. Two old books I so enjoyed, they're simple and profound, were published in 1970 by J. Allen Boone, B-O-O-N-E, and they called The Language of Silence and Kinship with All Life, and wonderful animal stories uh, having to do with communicating and great and a lot of success with that. So the first story I want to share with you today is uh, from one of my favorite longtime pioneering animal communicators from Manhattan Beach, California, named Samantha Curry. She may well be retired right now, and she sought the comfort of animals when young. This is what she has to teach. I, um, I'm going to use her words directly because she is so practiced and uh, is very humble and sweet. Samantha Curry um, said, as I was learning, I was often not sure. As I worked more with communicating telepathically, I developed a sense when I was receiving something accurately and when it was mixed up with my own stuff. For instance, for me to receive information clearly from Diana, a client's cat, I had to consciously slow down my mind, inwardly create a receptive open space, and then focus my awareness on Diana. I also had to learn to trust that first sense of knowing or intuition I received when my heart felt it to be valid and stop questioning or trying to figure it out rationally. Because she says, telepathy 
and telepathic communication is not a rational process. It's a natural process, but not a rational process. So the question many of you listeners may be asking now is, can an ordinary person like me learn to communicate with animals, or do I have, you know, does it take some kind of special aptitude? So Samantha would respond to that. You too can learn to communicate with your anim- animal companions. I believe that we all have the innate potential to learn to communicate with and hear animals if we truly want to do so. In a way, it is a kind of relearning or opening to something we already know deep down inside. It does require setting aside the rational linear way of thinking and being that we are mostly so used to this in our culture and society, it can be a little bit of a challenge. It is believing it is possible and truly wanting to communicate two ways with animals and to set aside time to practice this. So uh, what uh, is the number one question that I want to answer is how does one convey a message to an animal? Now, I went through this in part one a little bit, but now I'm going to have Samantha tell you how she does that. So because she's one of the best. I quiet myself, and then I acknowledge that this being I wish to speak with has intelligence. I don't know what the level of that is yet. All I know is my job is to acknowledge that each being on this planet is an intelligent being within its species. And because I don't have a belief system that cuts off that communication, this is what indeed happens. Communication takes place. Samantha replied with those words when asked if her means of communication had limits or boundaries within the animal kingdom. For example, you know, many people accept that uh, we can delve into the thoughts of cats and dogs or monkeys and horses or creatures that are, quote, more highly evolved. But when it came to deep sea creatures, insects, or, say, a scorpion, you couldn't really communicate with them. She points out that we tend to associate intelligence with brain matter, but that telepathic thought is a radically different than brain matter. That has to do with your third eye, which I discussed in part one, which is an an energetic portal uh, that has to do with the pineal gland in the center of your forehead and brain. Um, That observation that she spoke about that it uh, doesn't matter how small or big the animal is or how smart or not smart you think they are. And I want to share this because I think it's uh, very interesting. It was in reference to a box with a scorpion inside it that a little boy showed Samantha when Samantha came to lecture at a school in Escondido, California. And Samantha could immediately begin communicating silently and could immediately tell the scorpion was not enjoying himself. So she asked those gathered around to send a loving thought to the creature. And at the same time, she had never talked with a scorpion, so she was kind of wondering exactly how it was going to go. But, of course, she has learned to be very open and trust. So even for an animal communicator with four decades of experience, one imagines that getting into the head of a scorpion is hardly an everyday occurrence, right? So nonetheless, she did successfully find herself in the mind of the scorpion, which conveyed that its terrarium had been moved from the window and she would like it returned back to the window because it's more interesting for it. So Samantha told the boy who owned the scorpion 
You moved him, and he's not really happy about being in this other location. The kid was astonished and said, yes, I have. The math then told him the scorpion knew he wasn't liked by the boy's mother, but waved aside this revelation because, after all, few mothers approve of their child's scorpion. This is how aware a scorpion is. And she goes on, what I love is when an animal gives you something that is detailed like this, and there's no way you could have known if you hadn't had true communication, and you can also find out immediately with their owner if what you received is correct or not. So Samantha continued telling the little boy, the scorpion loves his red-orange water dish and the bit of food that looks like ground hamburger, he likes those two the best. The boy just looked amazed and said, how do you know he's got a red-orange water dish and that I give him ground-up hamburger? And Samantha continues, <laughs> more than half of my clients, she wants, so anyway, that's just a brief little vignette of an example when she showed up at school and how you can animal whisper with a scorpion, for instance. Very few people would think that is possible. That's how we limit ourselves. So um, also, the other thing to know about is you can call up an animal communicator, and I ha- I'm going to recommend them at the end of the show, and uh, w- which ones I like, and they do it long distance over the phone. Again, this is using the quantum field, and more than half of Samantha and other animal communicators' clients are long distance. Usually, um, they will ask to be sent a clear photograph of the animal or pet, and then they will sit there while they focus their thoughts upon it to learn what is going on inside the animal, tuning in to that specific being. And then afterwards, um, they will call back and convey their findings to the client or pet owner, who can then take the appropriate measures to assist their pet. Many pets die needlessly, and they're taken to vets and having surgery when that is not the problem. Their problem is confusion and emotional, as it is with humans often. So uh, Samantha continues, animals need assurance, but there's another important factor to always remember. Love connects you to the animal, soul, and personality. So for you bird lovers, she illustrates that by mentioning that a cockatiel that escaped its owner's home and flew high into the branches of a nearby tree out the window, and the owner couldn't retrieve it and thought the bird was being defiant and was all worried. And Samantha says, don't assume you know what any animal is feeling. She didn't say that directly to her, but she's teaching a student. She said, this isn't necessarily so. The bird is likely, put yourself in their shoes. The bird is likely fearful, having known only its cage or perhaps only four walls and a ceiling. So we ask ourselves, so what do we do to animal communicate? Um, So Samantha says prior to her doing any reading, before working or for anyone before working with their beloved animal companion, do, she does one hour meditation, but you could do five minutes or 15 minutes to clear her nervous system, open her mind, emotions, and perceptions to their life experience. And this allows her to acquire information and understand what happened and why from the animal's viewpoint. It can be perplexing regarding a specific emotion trauma or aggressive tendency that's challenging to the owner. So she spends uh, like probably five or 10 or 15 minutes preparing for that, clearing her mind, 
and then spends, you know, an actual half hour probably receiving the information and then calls the owner back. So connecting the first step of any animal communication, just to summarize this again from part one, is connecting with the animal is the first step. And the first question that Samantha asked an animal I really liked, and it's, what does it feel like to be you? Isn't that cool? And then she says she feels into it. And the animal is willing to share that because it automatically open, you know, presents an opening. Her second step is, like say in this case where the bird flew outside and was up in the tree, is you have to offer clarity on what you need them to do if they're in trouble, say. Clarity and simplicity. And remember, as I spoke about in part one, your pictures you send out have to be what you want them to do, not what you're afraid they will do. It's very important because if you double message them, they'll get totally confused and freaked. So the best thing to do for the sex set is you give an animal that is in that situation like the cockatiel an alternative behavior option, okay, like another choice or how it can get down the tree. So commonly a pet exhibits what we call bad behaviors, such as soiling the carpet or chewing pillows, right? And to change the pet's behavior, it is imperative to make clear to the animal what you want them to do. And most people, again, I cannot reiterate this enough, most people are focused on the negative. They're sending out negative energy, they're sending out angry energy, and they're telling them no, but they're picturing them tearing up the pillow or peeing in the corner or whatever. We need to give them an alternative behavior that works for both the person and the animal. So, and, uh, you know, for sure, all animals are visually oriented unless they're older and losing their sight. So I think that's how they communicate with one another. That's what Samantha feels. That's the predominant way. And then, of course, they communicate telepathically and through smells and body language visually. And so for her to reach them, it has to be telepathic mind-to-mind. And this is sending the pictures back and forth, receiving the pictures they send you and sending back. It's not limited, as I said, by prior proximity of space or time. So her suggestion to this cockatiel owner, and I'm giving you this as an example, was to go to the tree and try to meet the bird halfway in a relaxed state and take its perch along or its cage along. And, but to keep thinking and only keep thinking over and over that the bird is going to start climbing down towards her. That is what the owner is to visualize, the bird starting to climb down towards her. You need to be able to be visually clear and send a picture from your mind of the action you want them to take and hold that picture to help the animal. That's extremely important. The animal will begin to follow that if it's consistent and clear. So this kind of creative visualization of what you want the animal to do, remember, not what you're scared they might do, is also used to assist animals in danger or that are sick or injured. You need to convey what behavior is desired so you can help them rather than stress what behavior is unacceptable or freak out or get mad. So these are really, really key points. So, for instance, 
if we want our pet to do its business in a certain area of the backyard or not, for example, on the welcome mat, one may have to picture over and over what the correct behavior is and even put oneself in the animal's shoes. So this is very effective, by the way, by visualizing the exact steps from their eyes, like going over, like you're in the animal's body, going over to that area, squatting down, releasing the contents of yesterday's meal. Again, sending clarity of purpose for the animal's actual action, visually repeating what you want it to do, and then, of course, having patient, you know, patience, because uh, I'm impatient, and we can be impatient, and we want it all corrected now. So this exercise has to be done on a regular basis. Maybe even when you brush your teeth or take a shower, uh, you just go, Think about Rover. You just send the picture, Rover going outside and pooping and peeing in a specific desired location. And you can say the specific animal's name, too. That's important also. And keep doing it and then relax about it. So, and and uh, this works for so many things, not just animal communication. And the animal will begin to consider that to keep receiving those consistent thoughts from you. And most animals really do want to please. But it is not normal for them to, have to, be, have to pee in only one area. So they are having to learn how to do this. Also, remember, avoid mentally dwelling on old behavior. Again, for the reason that, you, uh, that doing so could negate what you're trying to replace it with. So don't get impatient showing the positive behavior, and then you can reward them with pets and love or whatever. So she even goes as far as she pictures the dog a few years in the future going to the space to poop and that she's telling her next-door neighbor how proud she is of him and how she, and, and explains how she corrected the problem, which is also sharing the power of animal whispering. So that's how powerful this is. So um, I know I just mentioned uh, Samantha's experience with a very small scorpion very, with very accurate communication. How about talking with one of the largest animals in the world? And this is one of my favorite stories. And um, before I share that, okay, before I share that, I want to cover just a few more questions that I promised to answer. And I had someone write in here. Um, so animal communicators during the session, if I wasn't clear, when you call an animal communicator, you're in a session with them. Their thing is um, at the root of every problem is a causal factor that masks some type of fear, just like with humans. The physical response your animal's expressing is his or her outward display of a decision they made to feel safe, just like with humans. By feeling their imprinted memory of the original situation, the root cause which created their fear or bad behavior, I help the animal become free of that fear or trauma. So especially if your animal was a rescue, they probably had an initial experience that they can send you the picture or imprinted memory of us so you can understand that. And then as a communicator, you help them move through that and uh, reinforce that that will never happen with you. You are a different person, and that is in the past. And so the last step engages both owner and animal, creating a new positive interaction with each other. Rather than the animal 
just being on automatic with its tapes going over and over and over or uh, based on fear, which is what humans do. Instead of, you know, having authentic thought and reframing and no longer just being triggered by old things. So, so an example could be, um, you tell me your dog doesn't want to jump into the car. He cowers, shakes, or pees just seeing the do- you know, car door open. So not getting into the car is your dog's decision to feel safe. So what someone like Samantha would do is she will see in her mind over and over him jumping into the car. And this unpleasant visual action makes um, the dog, you know, the, the dog nervous. His emotional surface and the animal communicator gets a visual and emotional glimpse into the event, the first event that caused him to feel fearful, which usually something went on. Then their job, the animal communicator's job, is to give the dog an understanding why that event won't happen again and to reassure them. And by showing them a new physical action that they can do to feel safe now jumping into the car. And I have seen so much behavior turn around in one session, maybe at the most two. So how about you, the owner? What can you learn from a good animal communicator? Oh, let me tell you, it's humbling. Uh, like I shared with you what uh, Tiger Scout, the Bengal cat I lived with for three years, shared with me, um, you know, it was a lesson. So one of the greatest gifts nature and animals give us is to be a huge mirror for us humans so we can see what we are doing individually and collectively. And this calls us to a responsibility at this time. So that's one of the gifts. And the animal communicator will say he's having a hard time with you or you're feeling nervous or he picks up your fear and he's processing it himself or, you know, all those kind of things. And so in a private session, the cool, the cool things, I want to give you the benefit of an animal communicating private session. It's important to know the benefit. Created the behavior or emotional problem from your animal's perception. You'll learn what to visualize in your mind to help him or her change the behavior. You'll learn what to say to your animal to support the visual communication so they are both consistent, what you say and what you picture. You'll learn especially through practice, what to emotionally emanate to your animals so they feel safe doing a new behavior, what your animals want to communicate about his or her environment regardless of anything else. So they're going to tell you preferences, what they want, what they like, what they don't want. Uh, Their food makes them sick because much pet food has tons of things in it and hurts their stomach. You'll get a lot of information from a good animal communicator. And if it's a medical problem, Um, They find out the location of the pain and on a scale of 1 to 10, the level of discomfort the animal's experiencing. And all this information can be very helpful for the veterinarian as well as for you. Yeah. Okay. So um, let me just spend the rest of the time sharing some really, really fun stories, uh, some of my favorites. And I was blessed to actually see the video of this in real time. And I call this the lesson of forgiveness. So we're moving from one of the smallest animals, the scorpion, to one of the largest, the elephants. And this episode, I'm going to, it's a long story, but I'm going to give you the bottom line through her words. It begins when she had never communicated with an elephant. She was brought in out of desperation to an angry, upset elephant uh, at the San Diego Zoo. 
And this was all filmed in real time. And um, after Samantha, uh, so basically she had incredible success with this elephant. And after Samantha thought their communication, and by the way, in the shout out I send you and in the pre-announcement, there's a picture of her with her hands on the elephant's head communicating with that specific elephant. So you might want to email me with your email. I do not misuse it, but this way you get the corresponding photographs, which are very profound, um, I think. I, pictures are really important to me in photos of what we will be discussing in each show. So if you go back to the radio page, you will see her doing this. And so um, she thought their communication was finished after I think it was 30 minutes, a half hour or something. So she started to back away. And she says, quote, the beautiful elephant followed me and hit me twice on my side with her trunk. So the keepers who are freaking out, stay back. And she says, no, 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 she's not going to hurt me. And she said, I told the elephant keeper, it's okay. She has something to say. And she tells, she's telling me that I rudely walked away and I, that she wasn't finished. So Samantha said I'm, to the elephant, you know, through telepathy, I'm devastated that I did that, that my behavior did that, and I apologize to you for what I have done. What happened next was profound. Without missing a beat, that elephant, makes me cry, bowed down on her knees and placed her head on the ground in front of Samantha. Samantha uh, said, I knew she was bowing before me because I apologized to her, told me she's 75 years old and that I am the first human who had ever acknowledged that she was intelligent or apologized for their nasty behavior and disrespect towards her. Crying, Samantha put her arms around the elephant, and the elephant took her, took Samantha by sending her pictures in her mind to a world that we as a human species haven't reached yet in understanding the importance of forgiveness. The elephant, after 75 years of mistreatment and all kinds of things, surrendered in an instant all resentment right then and there. Humans always hold on to some little part of it, resentment, don't we? And we have to be right and all of these things. So Samantha could feel the incredible love this elephant had, not only for her, but for the human species. And she was humbled by her majesty and wisdom. And that's such a reminder. Gosh. Such a reminder. So after the elephant stood up, Samantha asked her what she wanted to communicate. And it turned out, is there anything else she wanted to communicate before she leaves? And it turned out to be that her feet were hurting badly and she hadn't allowed, uh, she had actually thrown the elephant keeper. She was so, such in pain and so upset. And the keepers were stunned to hear that her feet were hurting. And so she asked the permission Samantha asked the elephant permission if the 
is the elephant would hold up the foot that was hurting and uh, behave why the elephant keepers came. And she said yes. And the foot was all bloody and had an infection and everything else. I have this all on video. I saw it in real time. And they were able to bandage her sore foot. So um, hopefully you watched Anna Brettenbach's video on YouTube on animal communication with Diablo, a black panther. Because both this black panther and this elephant are communicating the exact same thing to the human race, that they have never been respected, that this is their first time anyone has ever listened to them, been intelligent enough to talk to them, and um, cares. And they completely, including this Black Panther, you must see this if you haven't. If you're a skeptic at all, it will turn you around. It's 12 minutes long, uh, the YouTube and um, turned their behavior around in two minutes. I mean, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, working on it, right? So um, another story. Let me let me share one, which is also equally profound. And um, this is again with a, the Bengal cat tiger scout that uh, was my roommate for three years, and. Um, being wild, he hated vets, of course, and would not stop yell when I took him to the vet office because I noticed two pink pulse-sized growths growing fast on his haunches. And it ended up being a virulent form of fast-growing cancer and um, that the body and its wisdom had encapsulated but still was pretty virulent. The vet said that the only other time he had seen this was on another Bengal, which is interesting, probably too much uh, hybrid breeding or something, who died from it and bone cancer. So I contacted one of my most powerful intuitive healer friends. Um, I'm blessed to have quite a few of them named George. And he tuned in and said, I said, what's the cause of cancer? Is it anything that I'm doing? He said, no, the neighbor who talked you into uh, taking cancer because she has two cats of her own and agreed to help, you know, take care of him, but that he needed a home. And uh, he said she's well-intentioned and a bit neurotic and has a lot of negative fear and energy. And um, George said uh, Tiger Scout absorbed and transmuted that for her. And uh, because she loves him, she loved him very much too. And that was the cause of his cancer. And I've heard this from at least nine other animals that I know about, that they took on the neurosis, the hurt, the pain, the this, the that, the fear. Uh, which they normally don't have unless they've been abused or rescued. They took that on even with neighbors, okay, to assist them in service. So um, this is the one of the ways animals serve humans and evolve themselves. So I uh, had contacted a woman here called Dr. Jerry Ryan, where I live in California, an animal communicator, and she communicates on business. How she does it is she, she pretends she's me, and I had Tiger Scout just quietly in front of me in the fireplace. And because this was serious, this was about asking him uh, how he wants to go, cross over what people call die. And so she asked the questions where I told her. Then she, we hang up the phone. I sit quietly, and she pretends she's me when she's sending the, the communication to Ryan, even though she's uh, to the communication to Tiger Scout, even though she's miles away. 
So the whole time he's sitting in front of the fire, his eyes are wide open. You don't let the animal sleep. And he didn't move. And he was just looking at me and I was looking at him because he assumed I was communicating with him telepathically. So this is so beautiful. I just need to share with you. So, um, I was asking him how he wanted to transition. And uh, so she, she asked him, Tiger Scout, um, you have gotten something called cancer, and there's a good chance that this may transition you out of your body. Tiger Scout responded, I thought that might be so. Sometimes I look at food and can't eat because I feel nauseated. Other times I'm really hungry and can't get enough. So... Tiger said, I am sorry that I make messes, but I get a shooting pain in my poop tube. So they have different names. They make up their own names for things. And then it just squirts out, and I can't always control it or know when it's going to happen. Sometimes I'm in a lot of pain, but I can handle it, and I'm not ready to go yet. She asked him, do you know about the other side, what people call heaven tiger? He responded, oh, yes, I know about that, and I can remember other lives I have had before this one. What you call heaven is loving and fun, but it's not yet time for me to go. I still love life, and I also have a lot of friends that I still have to say goodbye to. So Tiger continued, I love you and know you love me very much. You have healed my broken heart from when my first people abandoned me. In my previous life, I was used in scientific experiments, which were horrible. So your care and love have helped to heal me. So here, here comes the real thing. Please don't worry, Merrily. You are worried, and that is not like you. I responded, yes, Tiger, I do love you very much, and I almost had a vet come to home euthanize you. So you need to make really clear to me if the pain gets too bad. I respect your life's journey. And I respect your soul's decision. And that I want you to have a quality of life as you want it. I don't want you to walk off into the wilderness or disappear or be stoic like you cats can be. You need to let me know if you're in pain and if it gets too bad so I can help you cross over. Promise? He said, what do you mean help me cross over? And I said, well, again, Dr. Jerry Ryan said this, pretending she was me. Well, I can have another kind human doctor come over to the house while you're on my lap and give you two shots that poke you a little but will not hurt. The first one puts you quickly to sleep permanently. And of course, they're sending strong pictures of all this while they're saying this slowly. And the second one helps you to pop out of your body to the other side. So you continue on in your energetic astral form. You can stay comfortably here at home on my lap the whole time if you wish and do not have to go to the vet. He says, ooh, that sounds good. I've never had that before. I promise to let you know, and you have already told me to let you know before. Don't worry, Merrily. You have forgotten. And I said, forgotten what, Tiger? Tiger responded, you have forgotten that worry is when you are not safe in your speechless and humbled. I eventually responded back, <laughs> oh, wise one, thank you for that reminder, and you are so right. I will snap out of it. It's just that I take my responsibility and care for you seriously, even though I know your soul's decisions, um, and it is up to you. He says, I know you do, and thank you. I said, you are welcome, and thank you for your magnificent, independent, wise presence in my life. Is there anything you need or want? He responded, ooh. 
I have so much in so many beds. Thank you. I would like some of that smelly stuff you use in your healing massage room that I'm not allowed into that when your people come visit, they leave smelling like that. Could you put some of that on my bed? Beds. And I said, of course. We call that pure essential oils. Those are made from plants. Anything else? Yes. You used to listen to beautiful music, and now you listen to people talking on your machine, meaning computer and interviews. I miss the music and enjoy it very much when I'm lying in front of the fireplace. Talk about humbled again. I said, you are so right, Tiger Scout. I know that beautiful music is one of the most powerful ways to uplift and heal everyone to help us stay in balance. And I was not being conscientious enough about my environment for you and how it could affect you. Thank you for that reminder. And both these things I will correct immediately, okay? So he said, I said, I still like interviews and it's part of what I do and research, but I'll trade off and play more music for you. Would that be okay? He said, that will be fine. I, and I said, thank you. He said, you're welcome. And I said, I feel much better. He said, good, I'm going out to play. So that is an example of the, and then she, the interesting thing here, where I actually, I knew all that was authentic, but I, um, I didn't know any of this until she ended, and, and the reading was supposed to be a half hour, so I'm, I'm letting you know what to expect. And it went on an hour, so I was just still staring at being peaceful with an empty mind, staring at Tiger. And after an hour, he immediately got up. He came over on my lap, went up to my face, and licked it. He had never done that in the three years. At that exact moment, the phone rang, and it was Dr. Jerry Ryan, and she said, we have completed our communication, and she gave me this whole story. She said, he's a very talkative cat. So um, that's an example of kind of like, you know, moving through different different things, and I want to have time to give you a couple names. Um, so I have a choice uh, that I can either just replay um, one of my old shows, or I might continue with part three and just share beautiful animal stories of animal communication with you all on Thanksgiving. Because I know some of you may be alone, some of you are sequestered, and I think it might be a cozy, really beautiful thing to do. And also, if the family has a chance to sit around and listen um, to just stories, because everyone loves heartwarming stories. That presents a beautiful conversation possibility of opening up to um, greater awareness. So I'm thinking about doing that. And uh, let me know, primarily at Super Soul Solutions, if any of you would be interested in that. Okay? So anyway, you might want to get a pen and write these down, or you can go on my archives on the News for the Soul, Super Soul Solutions page, and you can uh, move this will be up in within 24 hours and you can move it to the end because now these people, not all of them are in my neck of the woods in California, but again, it really doesn't matter for the really good ones. The one I shared with you today uh, is www.samanthaturi.com. I believe she's now retired, but she has 
excellent things on her website. She was in L.A. One of the first originals here uh, where I live in my neck of the woods is called Penelope Smith. Hers is www.animaltalk.net. And um, Penelope feels also that the sacred connection we make through telepathic communication with other species is essential for our own human wholeness. And that everyone, she's taught classes. I sent clients of mine to her. And that everyone is born with the power to communicate with other species. Although it has been long lost and not used, we can regain it for the benefit of all beings on earth. Okay? And uh, so you'll find her. Uh, The one about the jaguar, you must, must, much, much, much watch is is on YouTube and you Type in Anna, A-N-N-A, Breitenbach, B-R-E-Y-T-E-N-B-A-C-H. She's a superb telepath. It's 12 minutes long. And it's the, um, you can just say, uh, hater, comma, Diablo, the Jaguar. And please watch that. And have everyone you know watch that, including doubters, okay? And another gal uh, I discovered who has wonderful online classes and PDFs that you can download, et cetera, and teach yourself under no pressure, is Val Hart. So that is V-A-L-H-E-A-R-T.com. And I shared with you some of the things on her TED Talk, but she has a lot of things on her website. There's also another gal, uh, Marta Williams. So that's M-A-R-T-A-W-I-L-L-I-A-M. Sorry, W I L L I A M S dot com. And that uh, she has YouTubes on animal communication, how it works, and all of that. And uh, my experience was with Dr. Jerry Ryan out of Oakland, California. And um, she also, so all these people who have been doing this, especially the Samantha Currys, the Penelope Smith, the Anna Brettenbox, the Val Hartz. They've been all doing it for 40 years. So these guys are top of the top. So I hope that really helps you. And um, for all us animal lovers, and, uh, you know, please email me if you can at merely at supersoulsolutions.com, even if it's short. Uh, and let me know what of the subjects you're enjoying because the one thing about a radio show, this is my first radio show ever is it's kind of like going into a black hole because I I'm trying to visualize your faces and all of that. So if I get some more feedback on what you like, what you don't like, I can be more responsive to that. And uh, especially if you would like a third part three, which would be heartwarming uh, animal communication stories for Thanksgiving. So please let me know. Also, go to www.supersoulsolutions, which is my website. Look under the banner with the title Whispering, okay, because I call it Animal Whispering, and scroll down to Animal Whispering, and you'll see some of the um, links to what I'm recommending that you can watch and some more. So um, that also make sure you go to News for the Soul the Monday before my shows because by Monday afternoon, I put a lot of energy and time to get photos that match what I'm talking about so you can actually see it in real time, like Samantha uh, talking to this elephant, okay? I, I put that on the pre-announcement page 
uh, the Monday before the Thursday of my show. And I do think that that helps people rather than, uh, along with I put a bullet point to the topics that I will promise to, you know, to uh, do. So um, I, I, I give you all hugs and uh, we're all moving onward and upward. And the fae and fairies and animals, and I'm also going to be doing a future one on plant whispering for all you gardeners out there. Um, And that is also backed up by scientific experiments. So there's so much fun we can have with this. Please don't be hard on yourself. Don't look at it as something you have to work hard at. Children are wonderful at this. They often naturally talk to, you know, all these things. So just... Just open, be playful, uh, just feel into your heart. That's often, I'm um, intellectually based, so it's often difficult for me to drop into my heart and then just quiet and then just see what I see. And actually, some of it is common sense. And then as I slowly get better over time, because I wasn't a natural at this at all, so I slowly get better over time, I get more specifics. And that's very, very rewarding as it is with any relationship. So blessings to you all. And um, I uh, maybe we'll be um, doing, seeing you in two weeks on Thanksgiving. We have much to be grateful for. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>